This episode of The Only Podcast About Movies was recorded extremely differently. That's right, this is a bonus episode coming to you live from PAX East 2017, our getting good at video game movies. This is the third and final time we've done the panel, but we've added some new stuff since you've heard it last. So if you're in the mood for some gaming goodness and want to hear Red do his best Shahir impression, please excuse any audio anomalies or echoes you'll hear. It was a big room and people were loud. Anyway, enjoy the show. just received new orders from our superiors. They say the war's canceled, and we can all go home. Bison is getting paid off, and we just get to go home. Meanwhile, concepts like peace, freedom, justice, they get packed away, and our friends out there who've died, have died for nothing. But we get to all go home. Well, I'm not going home. I'm going to get in my boat, I'm going to go upriver, and I am going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is going to feel it. Now, who wants to go home? And who wants to go with me? for indulging. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir uh, Dowd with a code. That is Red Charzen. Uh, and this is the only podcast about movies, specifically our panel, Getting Good at Making Video Game Movies. Thank you all so much for coming. Every time we do a little quote in the beginning, and this time I decided to take it a little too far. Yeah, you uh, took some liberties with that one. Pretty much in the next hour, with your help, we're going to fix Hollywood as best we can. Uh, we're not going to do it alone, obviously. We have some esteemed people to my left. Mr. James Bortnow. Extra credits. Oh, you can be, you can be Shahir. No, I'm, I, I'm Everyone, Shahir. Shahir had personal reasons he couldn't be here, a.k.a. being lazy. Uh, so our, uh, our friend from... What? He's a director. He is a director. Uh, but... Directors direct. <laughs> but finally, yes, sir, please introduce yourself. Check, check. One, two. Swiss. Swiss. 
check. Yes. The one that I just smacked the heck out of, it's fine. All right. I got Yell real loud for a minute. I am Luke Peter Schmidt. I'm here horse. to entertain you. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, you keep, keep tapping it, and if it comes in while we're going, we'll just we'll, we'll do it live. There we go. Okay. There we go. Okay. Yep. Swallow the mic. So, I'm in. A quick sort of poll as we begin this. Uh, how many of you have seen a video game movie? Wonderful. How many of you would consider those video game movies good? <laughs> I, which one is a very important question? That is a trick question, sir. <laughs> Dead or alive? Exactly. Well, there's, there's obviously the conversation. We're going to get into what good is. Uh, <laughs> okay, wait. First, we have to preface this. Yes. Okay. Since she here is not here, somebody's got to be the voice of intolerable, not fun reason. Yes. We have to acknowledge that making movies is very hard. Making good movies is even harder. Making good video game movies is the hardest. So even though we're going to be bashing a lot of movies and critiquing, hopefully critiquing, fairly... Critiquing, not bashing, because again, there's no point in just bashing a thing. Someone in any of these movies that we all were sort of like, I guess it's all right, like, someone on the team loved it. Let's face it, you, one of you sat on a couch crying to blood rain at like 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but that was for totally other reasons. Yeah, oh. That's true. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to preface that at the beginning because this should be about sort of like how we can make these things better for all of us because we're all gamers and we're all cinema goers and we just sort of want the, the two to meet in a constructive way. Okay, in fairness, somebody out there in the world says Assassin's Creed was a pretty good movie. I mean, look. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Oh. Ooh. Now that's an interest. Okay, maybe that's we can get to that in the fixes. Maybe, yes. maybe that's what we have to concentrate on. We'll get back to you. Well, with the with the Assassins with the Assassins Creed movie, um, there's something that's sort of interesting that happened that we talked about before. Is that these movies a lot of times, sometimes, uh, sometimes very publicly, and sometimes behind closed doors. I mean, at the end of the day, making a movie at that level is about making money, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need to make money to make this stuff that you want to make and have it, you know, perpetuate, etc. But sometimes there were some quotes from uh, one of the, one of the uh, executive directors or something a while back about the Assassin's Creed movie. Shall I? Yeah. Oh, please, you have it? Yes. <clears throat> Preparation. We're not going to earn a lot of money from it. It's also, it is a lot, of, a lot more of a marketing thing. It is also a good, th good for the image of the brand, although we will make some money. It's not the purpose of this movie. The purpose is to bring Assassin's Creed to more people. We have our core fans, but what we would like is to put this franchise in front of a lot more people, maybe, who will then pick up future Assassin's Creed's games. So the thing, that, that quote is actually by an Ubisoft executive. Ah. Um, and at some point, we're going to have to talk about how our side, I'm from the gaming side of the world. Yes. Uh, and at some point, we have to talk about how our side also screws these things up. <laughs> Well, I mean, do you want to jump in? Like, do, with that sort of in mind, that if that was from the Ubisoft We're side... We're terrible people who hate art. You... <laughs> <laughs> no, but there is something to, to be said about, like, you do. You want your thing, whatever your thing is that you're making, especially if it's an, adapt if it's an adaptation. So uh, the game, you want it to be seen in almost any form, if it's a large property, like, uh, to the most amount of people. Well, I mean, I think it's a difference in viewpoint between seeing it as an extension of the property 
versus seeing it as marketing the property, right? Right. And that to me is the problem that very often when we're licensing one of these titles to be turned into a movie, the, the question that gets asked is how can it sell more games? And the movie shouldn't be about selling more games because no. that's not what movies are about, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's a fundamental divide that we on the gaming side have to cross in order to be able to ever see a good video game movie. Um, it always reminds me of, uh, do you guys know the Nine Inch Nails album, Year Zero? And you know the games that accompanied that album? Like the ARG, that was amazing. Uh, it's because if you ever hear Trent Reznor talk about that album, he says the album isn't the complete piece of art. Like the ARG is part of the work of the concept of the art that is year zero. And all the other ancillary stuff about it, he didn't think of as pushing the album. He thought of as part of the larger art piece that was the album and the ARG and all those other things. And so I think that's the approach we have to start taking if we're ever gonna see these things become more than just a marketing vehicle. Yeah, I agree. And I also think, like, someone who's doing it in, in, in some, something of, a, of what you've just said that is doing it very well is Blizzard with Overwatch. Now, they're not doing, they're not doing, they're not releasing an actual film, but there are these beautiful animated shorts that I'm sure most of you have seen. Uh, yeah. Uh, that... Wait, wait, but, so you're on record at this moment saying a sentence which was, you know who's doing <laughs> video game movies well? Blizzard. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna go to Warcraft now. We are gonna go to Warcraft. <laughs> all right, all right, James. Yes. Let us, yes, I am. Let there us goes begin. the script, ladies and gentlemen. We have yeah, organization, you know but all right. Uh... <laughs> yes, Matt. How many people saw the Warcraft movie? How, how many? How many saw it on purpose? Oh. <laughs> all, right. all right. So the weird thing is, there was a bunch of people in the back who said they didn't see the Warcraft movie, and then said they saw it on, on purpose. purpose. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but no, seriously, how many of you liked the Warcraft movie overall? Very, f uh, 20, 15%, maybe? Uh, okay. <laughs> clearly we're not in China. No, clearly we are not in China. Um, the Warcraft movie did something, I think, that was a misstep, but it did it, this is the, weird, the weirdest sentence, it, it, it did a mistake, but it did it for the right reasons. The Warcraft movie, decided to focus more on lore and sort of keeping pretty much true to the property it was doing rather than trying to actively adapt it to a medium that has different ways we interact or don't interact with it. Well, it's not only different ways, it's different amounts of time, right? As a designer, if I'm working on a property like an MMO, I expect you to spend 100 hours on my game, right? And that allows me to develop this big world with all this lore, all these things. And yet for a film where you're getting maybe two and a half hours of a person's attention, you can't take that lore that was assumed to be consumed in a hundred hours plus and say, we're gonna try and tell all of it in a two hour movie. Unless, yeah. unless you start your movie with like some really loud John Williams music and like, this, I'm just spitballing here. And maybe like, like uh, some sort of title crawl, maybe like going backwards into space <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what they should have done with the World Warcraft movie, I completely agree. That could have gone all the lore right there. Yeah, okay. Just make, make it Star Wars. Um, in space, that's what they missed. Yeah, World they, Warcraft, movie, Warcraft movie should have been in space. <laughs> Oh, guys, uh, I, I got an idea about this one, too. Um, <laughs> space Marines and, like, aliens. No, that'll uh, never just work. Like, pro. But where would, oh, we get, where would we get the craft there? Ah, jeez. Um, sun craft, sun... It's planet craft. They can be building things. They can be building things. 
No, no. Lore was put far more in in the foreground than I feel like either kind of story or plot. Now, something that kind of did the opposite, and I feel like is one of the better video game movies, and I'm gonna get attacked for this as well. Maybe, hopefully, not from you guys. Is Mortal Kombat the first Mortal Kombat? There's a weird difference between that fun little speech I gave, uh, quoting Jean-Claude Van Damme in the beginning, the Street Fighter movie and the Mortal Kombat movie. The Street Fighter movie is fun, I think, because it's campy, and it's not like, it's never thinking, it's, even the people in that world, in the world of the film, aren't taking that world seriously. Uh, and so you can sit with your friends and you can pick it apart, and you can have fun with it, and you can just sort of, you can engage it in that sort of way. Where the Mortal Kombat movie, every character and every actor in it, even though it's a silly premise and they have Christopher Lambert being Raiden, it's just weird. Uh, they, they, they go into it 100%, and you can feel that in the actual thing you're watching. You do, you're no longer watching it because, oh, this is silly, and what they're doing is silly, and they're acting like they know they're silly. You're watching because this is silly, and they're taking it real damn seriously. So there is a there is a way to kind of do that. Now that I would consider a good video game movie, but like, what if like, what I'm interested in in talking about is sort of how do we take a game property, and we can maybe later on when we have Q and A, we can say like what games we think could fill these shoes. It's awesome that you're seeding the Q and A with questions that you have a good answer for. Yeah, 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 it's pretty good. Fun fact, James, I have no answer for this. <laughs> you know what? I knew you were going to tell them to ask that question, so I do. So ask the question. Is that <laughs> okay, well, why don't we start with step one then? Let's identify video games that could make a good movie. Okay. So, so can I jump in on the Street Fighter thing? Or the Street Fighter thing was, uh, or Mortal Kombat thing, the world is so thin, yeah. which gives you so much space for a movie. When a world is super deep, it's just... It's just the, those gaming worlds that we love, they're there for us to live in and be part of. And we don't get to be us and part of a lore movie. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's 100%. And if you, but that's not to also say, for instance, what they could have done with something like Warcraft, in my opinion, is focus on one, maybe two characters. And almost, and I don't know how much of a sort of MCU Marvel fandom we have in the room. But like, I do like and appreciate how they're like, here's one character and their story. And yes, we get some Iron Man 2s and we get some other things that are basically just bridges to get to the bigger things and not really like truly their own film. But when you get stuff like that and franchises move in that direction, you can actually take, you can get to more of your lore, but like spread out and make each individual piece, hopefully if you have the right director and cast, etc you know, an actual enjoyable good time to watch. Well, and this is what surprised me so much because I completely agree, yeah, completely agreeing with you actually is what surprised me so much. Um, no, actually, everybody wants to make a cinematic universe these days, and so it shocked me that that wasn't the direction that they went with the World of Warcraft film. Um, why do you think when, when that's the hot buzzword, we're not doing that with these games? I think because you're trying... It makes it so like, you know, you see the Warcraft movie and you want to have like the biggest spectacle possible. And the weird thing is, I mean, who, here, perfect reasoning behind what I'm going to say, hopefully. Who saw Logan so far? Did everyone like Logan for the most part? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Logan did, what, well, two things. One, franchising done right. Yes, there's been bad X-Men movies and yes, you know, whatever. He's, but he's, the man's played him for, what, 17 years? And like, now because of that, not only was it crafted with 
literally Oscar quality performances from Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, but there is a weight behind it that now lets us sort of feel the emotion of that character and that what happens to that character eventually so much more. Whereas that, like, you couldn't have made that without having that entire history. You could make a great film and still experience, I mean, you, uh, some of the Oscar winners this year are sort of proof of that, but those obviously aren't in the genre we're talking about. But that, that's sort of like how I think and why I think doing it slowly, especially in the, in the realm of Netflix and binge watching and all that stuff, like you, we're ready for sort of continuing stories and sort of a slower pace as long as we're not being placated with, you have to watch movie two so you can understand movie three and movie two has no value. And I think Warcraft is ripe to do tons of small stories like that. Well, but, and that's why I'm wondering why they didn't. And I'd also argue that that's just how games work, right? Games are a slower storytelling medium than film. Um, and so I was wondering like, what, what do you think it kept, what, where in the decision-making process did people say, no, we're gonna try and get all the lore in one film rather than what seems so common today, which is either trying to make a cinematic universe or deciding it's a trilogy you know, before if, we even start. If I can interject as a filmmaker, <laughs> um, we're incredibly selfish. Okay, but you can, you, yeah, you can only interject as a filmmaker? Yeah. So, okay, go for it. I'm incredibly as, selfish. I'm speaking as Shahir now. <laughs> do your best New Zealand accent. Shahir has a New Zealand. No, he's from New Zealand. Please yeah. don't do this. I don't, don't, I don't know what a kiwi sounds like. Uh, well, continue. It's like squishy, right? No. Um, that was terrible. I apologize for that internet. Um, we, when we're making a film, okay, uh, there's normally a lot of scripting that goes on, scripting rewrites. <laughs> During pre-production, there is so much that gets cut out. And we think we've done a really good job. And then during production, uh, the actors sometimes point out that we still may have left a little bit too, too much in because they're artists and they don't want a bad movie. Uh, so we end up kind of exculping more stuff there. And then we get to the edit. Well, we can spend, you know, 50 weeks in an edit. And, you know, uh, we, we throw out a lot of plot points. In fact, often what's criticized about films uh, popularly is that people feel the holes. Uh, you can feel like things were missing. The expression left on the editing room floor. For the record, that's normally me. I'm sleeping on the floor. There's nothing there. But um, that's because we've been overambitious with all of the plot, the character, the, the tangential arcs, the character building. You know, a lot of characters fall flat in films. What happens is, is we probably did shoot, write, and record the, the character growth. It just had to leave for time. Uh, maybe it was just extraneous. Um, maybe uh, during pre-production when we should have cut it out of the script, we didn't identify it as being such a burden. So, and we get excited with something like Warcraft, we're like, oh my god, it's got so much! Okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna cut it down to like our 200 favorite things, and that's it. <laughs> now, okay, 200 is ambitious, like 175, and that's it. And then we get to the end, and like, okay, like 10 more has to go because nobody's gonna watch a six-hour Warcraft film. Okay, but why? I, I would watch a six-hour Warcraft film. <laughs> In a world in a world, in a world. <laughs> um, where Tetris gets a trilogy I, okay, okay. before it's actually even got a script. <laughs> Why do we have one World of Warcraft film where they try and pack everything in? Spaceballs the toilet paper! Spaceballs the flamethrower! <laughs> the kids love this one. It's, that is like, the Tetris thing 
is marketing. I was really hoping we wouldn't bring that up. You're, you're gonna tell me that you can market Tetris better than you can market Warcraft. No, no, but this is what I, well, I certainly actually, can. do you know what, do, oddly do, enough, do, do, do. yes, because Tetris yeah. has a global, like, I know World of Warcraft is global, but you even, beyond, like, I guarantee you if you polled the world, <laughs> uh, not of Warcraft, if you polled the world about who knew the, what Tetris was versus exactly what World of Warcraft was. Partially because you're getting yeah. my mother now. But, but that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying, like, you can, and the only reason they're going to make a Tetris movie is because of that. Now, if you can, if a filmmaker can make a good Tetris, a great Tetris movie, they don't need that name. And that's something that, like, so therefore, in that sort of weird logic, the Tetris movie will never be great. <laughs> because, what? Yeah, what? I, I've blown everyone's mind. So, Battleship. <laughs> you leave Rihanna out of this! Okay, that is a perfectly plausible situation that could yeah. happen at any minute. <laughs> well, they, they, they ignored the lore, which is what got me about Battleship. Right? <laughs> okay, well, In actually, the Battleship Cinematic Universe, it will be fixed. <laughs> actually, you're bringing up a really great second point, which is, do you actually, when doing an adaptation to be Shahir again, uh, I'm so sorry for sucking the fun out of the room. Um, <laughs> To do an adaptation, like Alfred Hitchcock famously said, you know, I only read uh, The Birds once, and I never read it again. In fact, if you ask me anything about the, mo about the bo book, maybe the movie too, after a few drinks, um, I don't remember anything about it. And so what he did was finding the core and the essence of this, uh, of this book. In fact, when you take a look at the content of some of our best films or our favorite films, we're talking about maybe a ninth, a tenth, a twentieth of the actual book content. I'm not saying it's a dire directly analogous to adapting a film from the Warcraft franchise, there you go, um, or uh, anything else, but sometimes, if I may point out my favorite franchise, Resident Evil, um, as a film, they've done a fantastic job of of kind of like sucking the core of what makes Resident Evil fun creating a, a hodgepodge of characters, self-identification, but you watch the, you watch the film, uh, we'll just talk about the first film for now, and then, you, and then you play, let's say, the first game, and you're like, well, these two things aren't related, yet they feel the same, because there's that tension, and then the movies just kept doing it right for one. Bad Mike! Number two, third one, you're off! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the movies kept doing it right for a while, and then now with Seven, uh, has anybody been playing Seven? Seven? Playing Seven, seven yeah. Okay, I can't do it because I don't want to be the first guy to die of a heart attack while wearing VR goggles. <laughs> that is not my legacy. Um, uh, they're doing a really great job where the movie kind of spun down a little bit, and, and maybe we should play around with what they did so well, and then where maybe they lost it in the last movie. I think... Well, how many of you guys overall like the Resident Evil movie franchise? A yes. decent amount. More, I'd say that's more hands than, than for most other things other than Mortal Kombat at this point. There's, <laughs> there's something to be said about when the first Resident Evil came out, and I was like, who, who the hell is Alice? Like, what is, like, where's Chris and Claire? Where's, you know, even Leon? I'll take Leon. Nobody uh, will take Leon. <laughs> You're a liar. I was looking for the Master of Unlocking, and she was nowhere to be found. Uh... The, and then, so when I was younger, I was like, well, this is, this is crap. Like, I want to see the characters I love doing the things I love, and, and that's why I'm going to this movie. But I think as time went on, Alice, the character of Alice in the Resident Evil films became a cipher for almost the player of the games, 
and we got to meet some of the characters we liked along the way, sort of tertiarily, and like almost experience them as we would as a, the closest thing, quote, as a player. I know the mediums are completely different. It is not interactive whatsoever. But you get that sort of feeling of I'm going through this world meeting characters that I like. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a, they kept the feeling of Resident Evil and sort of what made it not the original and definitely not what they're doing with Seven, which I love, but they kept it sort of like high camp, never blinked at what it was doing, always took itself very seriously. And I would call that one of the more successful, at least enjoyable franchises in this genre that we're talking about. Because it uses a rule of adaptation which pulls from the wide feeling, not the specific canon. Yeah, yeah. Well then, oh, you have no. no, I'm just gonna leave an awkward pause. Sweet. All right, so. <laughs> no, no, uh, what I was. Okay, you... no, no, you silenced me, that's good. Good. Just tell me no, no, wait a minute, shut me down. All right, uh, okay. <laughs> no one knows who's talking. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. So that's already a movie. The what? <laughs> yeah, that's already a movie. I sat down and watched the three hour film, Sons of Liberty. Well, we were, talk we were talking about, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was good. I enjoyed it. I actually had to skip class in college to finish <laughs> watching the opening credits. And you aged four years. I, I did. Um, so the uh, director of the upcoming, and there is one, uh, Metal Gear Solid film, which I think we might all agree doesn't normally be something that we're like dying to see considering we've already seen it if we enjoy that franchise and we've played it. Like that's when games were like, that game was trying to feel as cinematic as yeah. possible. Yes, in fact, it, it derives a lot of its tropes from famous cinema tropes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of give and take between the Bond films and... Like there's, there's, there's a lot of um, heavy head, uh, head nodding and acknowledgement of, you know, all that jazz. Right, so. There's no jazz. Well, actually there is jazz in it, isn't there? The, <laughs> the argument would be why, why make that? We've done it. And I don't have an actual rebuttal or answer to that, but there was a, do you have the document pulled up with the AMA? I, was, I do. There was the AMA Ish. with the upcoming director of Metal Gear Solid and they were asked by a fan um, what are they going to do to make sure, because he was worried, as we all kind of get whenever we see one of our franchises that we love thrown up on a poster and being like, oh, they're making that. Uh, yeah, they, I get so nervous. I've never, I've never had like, oh, 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 you're going to kill it. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. No, that, and that's a feeling I think is universal in this, when these genres that we love cross. Um, he actually gave a very good answer as to like what he was planning on doing uh, to maintain the core, or to adapt Metal Gear Solid in a way that doesn't strip it of the reasons we like Metal Gear Solid. And he typed a lot in this AMA. Okay. I'm not going to read it all. Yeah. I'll summarize. Do the bold one. Red is a really great guy, and I trust him implicitly. I think that's what he said. Hold on. Let me just double check. Yeah, that's it. No. <laughs> um, uh, he had two major points. One was understanding the feeling of, of a game uh, and how what is elicited, what emotions you're experiencing during that game and the interactivity. Because he's pointing out two valuable, well, one valuable trait, which is video games are naturally interactive, duh, and uh, movies are naturally uh, passive. Shahir, however, would argue differently, but since he's not here, he gets no say about this. No say. Generally speaking, I think, it's, I think we can all agree those are the two biggest differences between the two. So what he was trying to drill down into in a very quick synopsis was trying to figure out when you're sneaking around and about to get caught, that tension that you feel as the player, how do you get that as an audience member? And we know there are tricks to do this. Uh, the famous, like, 
slightly around the corner camera move where, where everybody just starts doing this in the theater that, you know, just is, is a little fantastic thing. But it's about the mise-en-scene, the camera movement. These are the tricks that we have inside the film, uh, the film language to kind of get you on the edge of your seat or maybe other things where we was also talking about how Kojima has such a wide variety of, um, of uh, philosophies. I think he calls them talking, uh, walking philosophies or talking philosophies. Um, but also like it goes from super serious to super camp in a heartbeat. And so he's really excited to try to do that in a film because realistically speaking, we don't as an audience n normally like that. So that's going to be a big challenge for him. And he acknowledges that. And I think knowing the problem, identifying the problem, um, puts him on a great start to maybe making a good film. So it's the the idea of going from super serious to super camp is something that I was really curious about this and for the cinema experience of games in general. Because I feel like plenty of games can get away with that, but usually they let the player sort of determine uh, when they make that transition. Have any of you guys played Yakuza 0? Or any of the Yakuza series? Couple. Um, which I highly recommend, actually. They're way better than... They're also terrible. But they're great in their hard <laughs> um, uh, But you've got all these experiences. Or even GTA is a good one, right? Where uh, you can take the super serious storyline, or you can go mess around trying to parallel park a car and have it be the most hilarious thing ever, right? But I, as a player, determine which one I'm ready for at any given point, which we can't do in cinema because we have to deliver it linearly yes. and I'm, I just don't, I can't see a way that we can make that same transition back and forth. If I may, Dr. No. Strangelove or How I Learned to Love the Bomb. That is, that is black humor described, but typically black humor is uber seriousness with camp, but, providing a synthesis. But the thing is, it's not the switch from very serious to camp, it's very serious camp and there's a difference. I would argue that the underlying point is so serious that the gravity of it itself may, is the underlying switch. I'm gonna go with him because he's moving his hands more like this. There we go. <laughs> feels, feels more real. Thank you. Hit the mic. Hit the mic. I can't. I feel bad for Twitch folks, sorry. Really, you just want to throw him off the panel because as you said, three and he's done? Oh, shoot. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was a rule. I wasn't listening. I never listened to you. I'm sorry. So, okay. so is the challenge just like certain video game properties work them way into genres that exist in the movie. Like you think of your genres of yeah. movies and some just slide right in. Resident Evil slides right into horror. Some slide in very nicely. That's yeah. why, yeah. yeah. And the Kung think... Fu movie, Mortal Kombat, just slides right in. Like... I, mean, I mean, Mortal Kombat is Enter the Dragon, right? Yeah. I mean, Enter the Dragon is the most awesome video game to have never existed. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation is The Room. I just hadn't talked in a while and I thought of that. My mind just blew up. <laughs> oh, hi, Danny. <laughs> Derailed! Um, <laughs> yes, this panel's done. <laughs> uh, is there... Wait, wait did, you, did you come so, to an answer before there, I did there's, it? A, there's a comment on, on Twitch. Um, Eric e, uh, Perk 80 who says, uh, Kojima makes uh, great trailers. And maybe, you know, he, you know maybe uh, he should try to do the actual movie. I mean, let's face it. That's what he's wanted he's to do. He's wanted to do that yeah. since. Uh, well, like the second 83. thing, the second thing, the director of the upcoming uh, Metal Gear movie said was that the there was a, we talked about his first point about figuring out why the, the feeling behind it, what makes that us enjoy this thing so much. The second thing he mentioned was he knows that 
sort of Kojima's vision is also something that's very important. The way the characters talk and deal with these weird situations, super political stuff that goes way deeper than like a normal action sneaky game would do. Uh, and how do we, he wants to make sure, so he says at this point, that he maintains that feeling and tries to keep that sort of alive in his adaptation. Now that's not saying how he's going to do it, but the fact that he at least is acknowledging that and saying it up front to the public, that makes me, I mean, again, we've been, we've all been hurt so badly before, I can't say I'm <laughs> hopeful, but it makes me, it gives me a little bit like a, a tinge of like, this could be okay, and maybe I'll like this uh, when it comes to that. And I haven't had that from a filmmaker when it comes to one of these, like, that's been earnest and serious in a really long time. See, I almost uh, worry that no. he's trying to do too much of it, right? Like, and that's possible. Because Metal Gear, like you were saying about uh, slides right in, right? Metal Gear makes a very obvious movie. I mean, you almost need none of the Metal Gear storyline <laughs> to make the Metal <laughs> Gear movie, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a 60s Bond film. Right, exactly, except with more boxes. I hope that it's 20 minutes of Snake explaining how the gun, like what model the gun is and I, how it feels. I hope it's 20 it minutes of nice Snake! <laughs> That's right, my alarm that note, should we move on? Yeah, no, we can okay, move so on. Okay, so that was step two, wasn't it? Yes, that was step two. Step we, two of three? We actually broke this down into three steps so and we didn't outline them in the beginning. We didn't even say what they were. We're step professionals. One. You got it right? Yeah, okay. Step one, which you discussed at the beginning. Yep, right. Because you, you made this. This is the three C's, or the six C's. Six? Okay. <laughs> Step one, care about cultivation. Okay, that's, uh, that's where you identify that where good movies would be made. Okay, we're, we were trying to figure out, like, you know, sure. identifying, we talked about the Tetris thing, right? How that identifies as a bad choice. But for instance, if done in... This will be this will be dividing. If done in a correct way where Why you're... are you about division? We should be about unity right now. I'm sorry? You're a divisor. Uh, I would say, honestly, that a game I would think, if put in the hands of the proper director, would be something from the Dark Souls universe. Now, I know Dark Souls is all about gameplay, mostly, and the difficulty about it. James? Oh, hi, James! Hey. Fancy meeting you here! Let's go! That guy from the thing! <laughs> Let's go! Yeah, yeah, no, do you disagree? I gotta roll up some sleeves before we no, start No, I, I think he has, uh, he has a brilliant thing to say here. So... I, I, I mean, you just named the single most lore-heavy character-like game yes. in existence. Yes. And you can argue that you can Starship Troopers it, right? Where you ignore basically all of it and just take the general aesthetic and run with it, a uh, visual aesthetic. But I think that you're going to have a very hard time capturing the essence of the terror and sort of the uh, joy that comes with overcoming. And I don't think it would be easy. I'm saying there's, there's, and, and you'd have to drill down like real deep into like even specifics that like are just referenced sort of in the actual games. Well, so can I, of, how about, uh, can you talk about this in the same way that you would talk about say like the Silent Hill movie? I think they're different. I mean, I think Silent yeah. Hill captured the sort of visual feel of Silent Hill, but failed on the plot. Hmm. Uh, I don't think you can I think you could capture the plot of Silent Hill, at least okay. one and two. I'm a movie executive now. I don't care about story or plot, son. I want to sell films. Tell me how I'm going to sell films. Right, why are you licensing Silent Hill? It was cheap. <laughs> right. 
I mean, that's, that's literally the conversation. I brought the property. I have 10 years on it. I gotta, I'm obligated to make one movie every two years. So we Enough should, talking. Let's make the movie. Musical comedy. <laughs> Silent Hill musical comedy. We're done. It's good. <laughs> Silent Hill the comedy. Yeah. We'll put the Muppets Rom-com. in it. We'll get the younger kids. This brings us, this brings us real quick, because we will move along, to step two, which is caring about storytelling. <laughs> Story Obviously, story. Mr. Movie Executive, on occasion, due to all the reasons he listed, which are all valid for his bottom line. We should first really acknowledge this, okay? All art throughout history, and all of you know this, so I'm Captain Redundancy Captain here, is that uh, it's, all art has been f- uh, funded through institutions, okay? We take a look at all the Car- Caravaggios and all of the famous pa- oil paintings, and they're all of uh, Jesus. Not because everybody loved Jesus, though. I'm told he was a great guy. It's because the church was paying for it, okay? All of the, all of the postmodern art um, that sticks around, we're very fortunate to have it because that was a very tiny blip in, in you know, art history where uh, artists said, okay, you know what, no more am I gonna be taking money from the man, and uh, there we have it. Then they all died, and um, now we have their art. Uh, but generally speaking, art is typically paid by what amounts to today as corporations or for the conspiracy-minded the Templars <laughs> <laughs> well I guess that does explain the Assassin's Creed movie though. you know what I'm talking about huh well, so getting back though I mean I think the Silent Hill point was actually a good one because you can argue that they're licensing the wrong film for bottom line reasons as well and we've finally gotten to the point where they're starting to license films that appear as though things like World of Warcraft and Assassin's Creed you might be able to have uh, a much bigger sort of blockbuster effect with, right? But we've failed. Why did those go off the rails as well? So, so I'm going to bring up a counterpoint. So if I'm licensing a product, right, uh, if I license a really famous product that everybody knows, that my total consumers I'll ever get will be the people who already love it. If you make a Halo movie right now, the only people that are going to buy it or go see it are people who like Halo. If you make a license out of a movie that, or a video game that few people know, you might get a lot of people that just go because it looks like a great horror film. But your absolute like bottom bar of how many people are going to go is way lower. Your, yeah, your failure metric is, is definitely different. Right? And yeah, yeah. given how successful <laughs> games have been in general. That's true. Yeah, to the risk averse, you would want to go as big as possible. But that absolutely limits how much money you can yeah. make. And then it becomes just a calculation. We're going to get 20% of Warcraft people to see this movie. That's the most we'll ever do. This is our budget. That's as much time as you have to do it. We're done. So, but then we talk about the MCU, right? The size of audience that goes to see Marvel movies is vastly larger, like orders of magnitude larger than those who read the comics. Because you can see a Marvel movie, the early ones, with no background other than their superheroes and get them. Because they're showing it to you. Yeah, they took the time to make them well, for the most part. Wait, is that the answer? Holy good. <laughs> we did it. We fixed Hollywood. So you could almost argue that all of the X-Men movies leading up to Logan were like playing a video game that you made you love the universe and then it ended well and it, and it hit home. But that, that No, you, your argument is sound. Yeah. I, 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 I believe that. Uh, it's very expensive. Yeah, there's, it's very there's, expensive. there's the opposite side too. You mentioned Halo, for instance. There's yeah. the opposite side of like, for instance, Everybody remembers there was going to be a Halo movie with like six billion directors attached to it. Peter Jackson was involved at some point. That was never made. And I'm kind of glad it wasn't because then due to the leftovers of that film, we got the wonderful film District 9. I don't know if you guys saw that. A lot of the leftover props and things from the Halo movie as it was being developed were retrofitted for that film so they could make it a little bit cheaper. And and Neil uh, Blumkamp swore he would never work with Fox again because it got so bad. 
But the problem wasn't with Fox this time. It wasn't the studio. This was actually uh, a Microsoft problem. Microsoft wanted too much control. Uh, they refused to let the adaptation go wide. So that's why the movie never happened, essentially. Which kind of brings us into our step three and our final step, then we're gonna do some Q&A. Caring about caring or caring too much. This is when it almost feels like if they wanted so much control, because you know, when you have, when something is yours, <laughs> You obviously, and if it's successful, you know it in your own space, and you know what makes it sort of work and what makes it tick, and you believe you know what your audience wants. But then if you're trying to present that to a, basically a different, someone, uh, to a different literacy of like media. You, James, you guys at Extra Credits did an amazing couple episodes on game literacy and sort of what that means recently, and like how that sort of goes along. So now you're taking a property that only game literate people really know, love, and understand, and you're going to now take it into a film property, but if you're just gonna still use and you think you're like, well, this worked before, like this has to work now, people love this. It's different people. And you're never gonna get that sort of crossover unless you just, you have to kind of let someone else that you trust take over, not take over, just in, you know, uh, I guess work together and you might have to kill your darlings. You might have to do some things to, you know, that you might not be comfortable with as far as your IP, quote unquote. And I feel like as long as you gather the right team, that is okay and will get you a stronger thing if you trust the people you're working with. Can and I ask you guys a question about right team? Because I don't know the movies from games as well as you do. Uh, has there ever been a right team on a game movie? Like- Yui Bowl. No, I'm kidding. I'm oh kidding. yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but like really, have, has it ever come together where you think there's been a great director with a great cast and a great scriptwriter on a game movie? It depends on whose publicity you read. Uh, I mean, I would argue, I, honestly, I would say no. We haven't had the trifecta. We haven't had the, the no. sort of moment where everything snaps together, where, like, again, I hate to keep going back to Marvel. This will be the last time I do. Uh, no. But no one. I mean, uh, I mean it's... Uh, I was going to say, like, they take a property that they have a big machine Anderson. behind them. Paul the, W.S. Anderson. Right? Yeah? Well, that's, the, that's Resident Evil. Resident Evil and uh, Mortal Kombat? No. Don't think so. No? Don't know. Uh, the <laughs> uh, bottom line was that the Marvel movies have this giant machine behind them, and, but they also trust innovative directors sometimes to take the helm. Uh, Taiko Watiti, which I hope I'm not butchering his name, who did uh, Hunt for the Wilder People and a couple other things, is doing Thor Ragnarok. His level of like fun and comedy that they're gonna mix with this action, I am psyched for because it's going to feel different than hopefully other Marvel movies. They, they let them do things on their own when they can get the right people to do so. Obviously that backfires in the studio as we've seen in Ant-Man because Edgar Wright had it. I would have loved to see his cut of that movie. I think it would have been very interesting. I didn't dislike Ant-Man, but it just sort of felt like another one. Um, so I do think that with Marvel, they have the directors, they, they take enough time with the here's what we know works, and then they kind of get script writers that they trust. That's the closest in that world. I, mean, I haven't seen that in video games yet. That's and one I of the strongest to. things about filmmaking that I don't know. You could tell me now about the industry here. Filmmaking, obviously, that's very collaborative, but there's a lot of trust going on, too. Like, trust me here, pixie dust, pixie dust, pixie dust. The film's going to be great, kid. Um, and you don't see a lot of things, and that allows for room for some magic to happen without what I'll call 
not purposely, studio interference. Well, Sorry, guys. Let's, Still hire me. Speaking of magic and interference, we got about 10 minutes left, 12 minutes left. I'd love to get some questions from you guys or thoughts on video game movies. If you are interested, you could line up at that mic if you have anything to say to us. It would be absolutely wonderful. All right. Well, I've been holding something from, from Twitch for a while because this is the time. Okay. We've really failed Twitch. How have we failed Twitch? We have not mentioned once Last of Us. Twitch, I'm talking to you real quick. I'm very sorry we did not mention Last of Us. That's a really good point, though. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm sorry we didn't mention Last of Us. But I feel that also The Last of Us might be one of those, mo one of those movies, if made, that we would have to kill a lot of darlings. To make it good, yes. Yes. Yeah. We'd have to really streamline it. Anyway. I would love to see the boiler uh, plate, uh, elevator yeah. plate pitch on that. All right, sir. Hello. Okay. Hello. Hello. Um, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a playwright, screenwriter. Awesome. And I'm working on a template for VR storytelling. Um, I think you guys missed one problem. Um, interactiveness. Writers aren't paid enough. So, well, <laughs> we're, we asked to do too much. But anyways, so you're talking about making a video game movie. And in 1999, The Matrix it is a video game movie. If you think about the progress of Mr. Anderson to Neo, to fighting Agent Smith at the end. It's like leveling up. It's and like leveling up. There's interactive natures to it. You can choose to walk on the windowsill. Keanu Reeves doesn't, but you want to because you're like, yeah, Morpheus, trust the dude. He has cool sunglasses. <laughs> then, you got, you, then you got the red blue pill. Then you got, hey, do I go back to save this? It's a video game. So you're talking about it's very successful as a video game movie because you have the leveling up mechanic and also you have implied choices that we yes. as the audience passively participate in. Even if we don't engage in it. So also if you think about it, it's like going to Picasso and saying, hey, you're really good at art. Can you make me a vase? Sure, he can make you a vase, but it's not going to be a Picasso. So you need to look at it as what elements makes the video game the choice for us, the consumer, versus the movie element. Yeah. Which is... We want that urgency, that, that, that need to do something, but in film, it's, you can't do it so long because the actor can only do so much. So it's more like keeping people on stage during a playwright. So I'm hearing what you're saying yeah. is that, that for you to see a good movie based on a video game, you'd want to have those choices that when you go home after the movie and you think, what would you have done there? Yeah. yeah. Because no, a lot a, of movies you don't get that because yeah. the characters are so well defined and you're not learning as the character. That's why we learn. need a writer on this. That's panel. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So like the problem is you're trying to take a story that's a video game and say, hey, let's make an adaptation that's a movie. You, you can take the lore, this like World of Warcraft and say, yeah, these elements can fit really well, but we need to be able to say, you know what, you should have made that choice. Or, you know what, I'm glad I didn't make that choice. So, like, people can say, like, Heavy Rain, Last of Us, all these interactive storytelling games, but that's a different medium. You can't make an adaptation right. because you can't engage on it. But thanks no, for No, you're saying. right. That's, now, I'm curious. I was just stuck on something. Did you ask Picasso to make a base? Base. A vase? Yeah, like, you know, with ceramics. Uh, you wouldn't do that. You want him to make... You should totally go to the Picasso Museum in Barcelona. He made a ton of bases. Yeah. Bases. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're yeah. great. They have, that's like, flower right after, That's right after I go back to New York. But anyways, no, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Thank you. That's a really yeah. good point. We're going to... Um, just so we can get through as many people as possible, I'm going to hold the clapping to the end, and then we can clap to me, representative of everybody. Yeah. Thank you. So you brought up Halo, which made me think of that uh, short mini-series yes. thingy, that live-action mini-series. Yep. And while it wasn't amazing or it, it was decent, but I thought they did something really smart in that where Master Chief wasn't the main character. 
you're telling the story through this kid, yeah. and Master Chief, is, you're just showing his amazing deeds in the background. And I thought that was a more efficient way of kind of getting these both worlds of telling the lore, but not like raping the lore at the same time. What do you guys think about that? I think that's helpful. Yeah, I think it's good to start at level zero, right? You don't want to walk into, like that's why creation stories for the Marvel Universe is so good. You start at zero. I think though it has the same, it runs the same risks that you were talking about on a corporate level of when you're pitching, well, let's get the Halo license, but not include Master Chief. There's a lot of pushback very often sure. to that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, due to the fact uh, you're talking about shooters, and actually the screenwriter who just came up, I have something for you too. Uh, speaking of standing behind someone, Carl Urban is standing behind The Rock. <laughs> this is for you. Uh, <laughs> nice Blu-ray of Doom. Also, uh, screenwriter, I'm sorry I forget your name. I have one up here that's probably the best writing of our giveaways. Uh, Blood Rain. <laughs> so if you'd like it, it's yours. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Hello, hello. How's it going? So you guys mentioned the fact that the problem with video game movie adaptations is usually the problem of encapsulating all the lore inside of a two-hour film. Sure. And so most of the time people end up talking about, oh, well, how will we take this series and make it into a movie, into a movie? And it's sort of a cliche to talk about it, but instead of movies, we should be, in my opinion, going towards television series instead. Mo mostly because of the fact that, um, if show of hands, has anybody seen the TV show The Expanse? Now that is a great sci-fi show. It's on yeah. a pretty minimal budget, but to me, that is the closest we've ever had to a Mass Effect series, or, okay. or an adaptation in general. Cool. And so, uh, what do you call it? The whole problem is that when you try to encapsulate lore into a two-hour film of the Warcraft movie, you have all this external material that you have to work with, and if you try to make, the say, Game of Thrones, all the seven seasons, all into a two-hour film, I mean, you can't do it with Lord of the Rings, but if you try and put that all into a two-hour movie, it is difficult. You spread it out over a 13-episode you know, 13 show, maybe 60 minutes or 40 minutes, you have a lot more uh, ways to dive into that lore. If you made a Mass Effect series that was based off, say, the first Contact War, and then you led into a, a feature-length Mass Effect film where you already have the backstory for people who've seen the show. Right. Sorry, I'm going through puberty. And so... <laughs> uh, we're, we're still waiting up here, so... <laughs> I still have the acne. And so, uh, if you have that build-up, like, say, Firefly and Serenity, where people who have seen the Firefly show already know that Serenity is sort of the finality of that show. It's burning down everything that you know because Mal Reynolds is already, you know, tough and hardened. If you do a show and either have a feature-length adaptation after or just a show itself, it allows for a lot more of that lore to be explored and fans and newcomers can be happy with that. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I hope... It's that, a Netflix venue. Yeah, and actually, well, there's the Castlevania thing coming out on yeah. Netflix, yeah. which hopefully... Yeah. Yeah, there's Netflix. You didn't know that? Yeah. Happy birthday! Yay! It's coming. I really, I, I learned something today. I cannot wait. Uh, speaking of, it, of expendable story, you were talking about just sort of cramming too much stuff into one thing. Yeah. Oh, hi. Oh, oh <laughs> this hi, is for you. Hey, have you seen this? This is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got about five minutes left. Thank you very much. I want to get the Twitch really quickly. Oh, Twitch? Yeah, um, just really quickly because uh, Wobble Doggo had, had a really great uh, kind of like question. 
Um, question is if we shouldn't just accept that games don't translate well onto the silver screen. At this point, there seems to be pretty consistent consensus that they fall flat and don't work, if, if I may rebut. People said that about comic book movies for three decades. We just haven't found the secret sauce yet. Even further, I happen to work with people who work in archives, and one of the archives happens to be the Michael Powell archives. If you're not familiar with the Archers, please familiarize yourself. That's great cinema. Uh, inspired Scorsese, you know, De Niro, trust me, you'll love it. Um, but there's this great letter. It's like, it's like, at this point, parchment. It is from Michael Powell to uh, uh, Louis B. Mayer. And he says, I've just read this incredible book. I think it'll be suitable for a fantastic film one day, but currently the technology is not ready. Maybe in about five years we can get it. I recommend you, I highly recommend you read it. It's by this ge gentleman named Tolkien. It's called Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Louis B. Mayer saved that letter and it ended up back into the archive. Huh. Just think about that. Okay. They knew it was completely impossible and yet I would say it's been argued that Jackson nailed it, right? Yeah, overall. Four or five. All right, real quick, sorry, there. lightning round. Hello, hello. Yes. Ratchet and Clank, Hero's Journey. Legends of Zelda, let's do it. Uh, do it anim like animated like Ratchet and, Ratchet and Clank was? Yeah, why not? I mean, we, <laughs> could, we could. Uh, <laughs> The question here is, why not? Oh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's something that these people should have asked. <laughs> well saved, sir. Oh All my right. god. Hello, sir. Uh, so you mentioned earlier about how some of the problems would, with uh, adapting video games to movies is you could disappoint the fans by not capturing the essence of the game. Yes. What about movies that are based on like, the concept of video games, like Wreck-It Ralph? Is those that have done better. Easier We've, to do better. Those have done better. Even, e even to what was it? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Still didn't hear it. Pixels. Oh yeah. Well, that's On the bad the other side. End. But but the good side that we're sort of. What are you we, talking about? I had a movie with a bunch of properties. It sold well. Fantastic. We brought up the Matrix before, but actually, Edge of Tomorrow. Have you guys seen that sure. movie? Edge of Tomorrow is probably one of the best video game movies, not based on a video game. That's it captures mechanically. I mean, just literally like a screenshot of the mechanic, what we're sort of dealing with. Um, hmm. So, I, I don't know the answer, answer? Yeah, do, like, do you think it's easier to do, to create a movie based on video games themselves if you don't have to follow a specific plot, you can just use them for your movie? Short answer, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think, and more people should do that. Again, it kind of goes back to killing our darlings. And it's not only the plot, right? When a specific video game movie gets made, people expect it to feel like that video game. That's much harder than it, to, than it feeling like video games, right? Yes. All Edge of Tomorrow is is a death and respawn mechanic, yeah. right? But they, they nailed that. Mm -hmm. It's much harder to nail the feeling of Metal Gear or what have you. Right. Yeah. Cardboard box. Did this nail the feeling for you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we got time for one more. There we go. Oh, we got two. We can do it real quick. Right. Well, you scooped me a little bit. I was going to say the Dark Souls movie is just Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> it's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> and the award for best question goes to uh, Moonlight, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, Moonlight. It was, no, it was Moonlight. It was Moonlight. I'm sorry. Uh, we, I can't figure out a tie in this. The last one I have, I'm sorry, but Dead or Alive, because why not? <laughs> and I'm so sorry. We'll get your question, but I don't have any more. DVDs. Oh, I got I got a gift. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
So, um, in a lot of recent movies, um, uh, for example, the newer Star Wars films, um, there's a lot of Easter eggs and references. And my question is, um, in since there's so much talk about uh, a lack of time in movies, like why do you include those? Because there's so many pacing issues that uh, evolve from from adding all these Easter eggs. So, why are they there? I yeah. feel like that's the wrong move trying to make fans serve it, like fans happy, right? Yeah. Like. And I feel like when we're talking about timing and pacing, though, look at Guardian of the Galaxy, all the Easter eggs, when they're going through the collector's area, right? It's just all in the background. Everything in the collector's area, there's like uh, I Howard the Duck, and there's all these other things in the Marvel Universe. And it's just in the background. Astro, the what, space dog. Yeah, right, I, I, I can't emphasize time. it enough. It's filmmaking 101, mise-en-scene. If you want it in, just put it in the background, you know, just a slightly deeper focus, and everybody's happy. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite lines in any movie is uh, Obi-Wan, he was a hero from the Clone Wars. I don't know what the Clone Wars are, but I think he's a badass already. Right? So there is a way to just like throw yeah, off a that's... great line and just make it work. Yeah. And because I pulled that answer out of my butt, I'm going to give you my scarf pooping unicorn. Oh! <laughs> well, guys, what? thank you so much. That thank is our time. Much, we are the thank only podcast about movies. You can follow us at Only Movie Pod. On Twitter, we have a Facebook, we have a whole bunch of stuff. We Go hope see we Silence. It's a great family movie. Very funny. Very proud to have worked on it. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.